Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat. I'm Stuart James and joining me today are our podcast regulars, Chris Arrington and Jack Ball. Hi, chaps. Good afternoon. Hello, Stu. Not guests or anything like that. Thank you. We've got great listeners last week. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel right this more week. embraced <laughs> this week, Stu. Absolutely. So, since we spoke last week, um, the good times have continued for Argyle. A great start to 2019 and a 3-2 win up at Southend United. Even though our colleague here, Jack, has put Skunk <laughs> on United. So I was doing I'm going to out you here, Jack. <laughs> so I was doing Are you trying to trip rush? me up? <laughs> The listeners might be surprised to know that we do have a sort of script that we yeah, work to, and, uh, and Jack's typed out the script and, uh, and got Scunthorpe United. Is I'm sure he's to it, in my defence, we do have a meeting in 25 minutes, <laughs> so it was a bit of a rush. But well done, you noticed it. Indeed. Well, you went to Southend United yeah. and yeah. a cracking win for our goal. It was a very good win, I think. After 11 days of that fixture, we weren't exactly sure whether that would work in our goal's favour or not. Some people say, you know, if you win a game, you want a game to come quickly, so yeah, you can absolutely. build on that. Um, but Argyle found themselves maybe on the back foot a little bit in the first five ten minutes. But apart from that, I'd say Argyle had a fantastic game. They played some really good football, scored goals at crucial times, which I'm sure Chris will talk more about in a second. And they've just built from there. And there was a scary end, which again we'll talk about in a bit. But Argyle held on and six points from two games after, well, seven points from three games actually, going back to the Burton game um, towards the end of uh, 2018. Is a great return, and not many of us that were at AFC Wimbledon would have thought they would have been getting those many points uh, in those games. Absolutely, Chris. You spoke to me on Monday and said it was a pretty comfortable win. Yeah. The, you know, the scoreline wasn't reflective of what happened. Yeah, I mean, if the game had finished three 0 like it, it was in the 85th minute, I don't think that would have been that far away from the reflection of the game. I, I thought uh, Argyle were, were comfortable, particularly in the second half. They got the goal in the first half. Uh, good finish from Anthony Sarsavik after a defensive mistake. And after that, I couldn't really see Southend coming back. They they started with one up front. Uh, that was getting them nowhere. They changed to two up front. Um, that didn't really get them anywhere. It was comfortable for the defence. Carl Leveran had very little to do. And the second goal was, was crucial because at the start of the second half, he just felt like Southend had probably had a bit of a telling off from, from their manager, Chris Powell. They were on the front foot. And then really from Argyle's first attack in the second half, Freddie Ladapo went through and scored against his former club, and you could just see that took all the air out of Southend's um, enthusiastic start to the second half. Argo got the third, and at three 0 down, they, they were they were playing, you know, some really pretty good football, weren't they? It was, Jack? It was bizarre. Jan, even Jan Songo's doing one touch passing. <laughs> it, honestly, Jan Songo's been one of the best players for Argo this season, but it was the most un Jan Songo like performance with some of those passes. Was, it was just exquisite. goes to show, though, didn't it? You know, you, you start winning games, and that confidence comes back so quickly. And then, you know, it was a crazy last few minutes. Um, and it ends up 3-2, which is still a good result. Obviously, goal difference would have been nice if it had stayed 3-0, and it did make it a bit 
a bit tense. Um, you know, when you're trying to write intros for stories and things like that, late yeah. goals are a, a nightmare, aren't they? Well, well, Chris knows full well that I started to write my match report because, you know, I'm live blogging, I'm trying to turn it into a match report for, so it can be done almost as the full whistle's been done. So I, I started it and said, great start for our goal, six goals, no goals conceded. And then I changed it to no goals from open play and I was like, delete that again. Only two conceded. Uh, so yeah, so it can be a bit of a nightmare. It was, it was, a, it was a bit tense towards the end. Thankfully, they, they held on, but... Um, yeah, it was closer than you'd have liked in the end. We're quite, I think we were all quite glad that the second goal of Southlands came in the 92nd minute and there weren't another 10 minutes to go because that would have been a bit too nervous for us all, I think. Mm. Yeah, well, we'll come on to that one in a minute, Jack. Um, it sounds though, like Ruben Ramirez, Anthony Sarsovic, two players that you've, you've named here, um, but I don't think they're alone. They, they, there seem to be a few our goal players really coming back to form right now. Yeah, definitely. I think the two that have been named are just because of their goal-scoring record. I think Ruben Ramirez has got four goals in the last three games and Sarsovic has scored two goals in two games. Um, and Derek Adams has spoken before about the need for, especially Sarsavik, I think he's been quite critical of in the past for not mm. getting into more chances and not scoring more goals. And you could see in the first half against Southend that Freddie Ladapo had a few chances that he didn't put away. And when, um, obviously, the first goal went in, the first chance he had in the second half, he did finish. And I think you mm. can almost see that, that burden be lifted off when other players are helping him out and not all the goals are relied on. On, on, on Ladapo but it's not just the goal scoring even if Graham Carey's been better of late the defenders have been better of late so it's all round a much better team performance Yeah well I did that piece last week and Freddie Ladapo was second out of all the players in League One in terms of being involved or scoring goals of the season I think it was like 52% or something like that mm. really high percentage of goals that he's been involved with at Argyle it's important that he doesn't have all that pressure on his shoulders yeah. and uh, I, I thought Anthony Sarsavik was superb on Saturday, one of his best games I've seen him have for Argyle. He looks fully fit, he looks strong, he was powerful on the ball. The only way Southend could stop him was really to foul him and that's what led to, uh, ironically, uh, Sarsavik being booked. He uh, was tackled from behind by Simon Cox. It was a, it was a niggly tackle. Sarsavik reacted to it and got booked for the... Uh, uh, retaliation and that's just one thing he needs to be careful of he's had four yellow cards in the last four games he's on eight yellow cards in league one games this season he's only two away two more would see him get, get a two match ban now there is a cut off point for that ban to be avoided but it's not until the 37th league game so basically he cannot afford more than one booking in the next 10 league games otherwise he's going to have a ban so he needs to be careful of that but his performances on the uh, on the pitch in general have been been excellent and Ruben Lemira's four goals in three games I mean we've spent a lot of our time this season on the podcast talking about Lemires and why is he not in the team why is he in the team and not playing that well why, why isn't he doing this that and the other and he, he's taken the chance that he's got at the moment he's scoring goals in the second half he was at Southend he was, he was excellent he really was positive and bright and um, you don't want to get carried away from two games say against Oxford and Southend who are both perhaps not going through good spells at the moment but nonetheless, um, Carey, Sarsavik and Lemires behind Ladapo when they're on their games, mm -hmm. that is a potent, potent attacking threat. Six goals in the last two games. Can they do it against some of the better sides? We'll soon that, uh, find that out because Portsmouth, Peterborough, Luton, Sunderland are all lurking not too far down the fixture list. But, um, but if those four players 
and the three behind Ladapo in particular can can play like they've done in the last couple of games, then it is looking more promising for us. And stay fit, isn't it? That's the thing with starting fit. it because yeah. it mu- you know it's frustrating for the fans. It must be so frustrating for Derek Adams because he knows there's a player there. He's shown yeah. Sarsvik has shown that there is a player there. Mm. Just needs to stay fit a bit like Jamie Ness. Most frustrating for Sarsvik himself, of course. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Freddie Ladapo going back to Southend didn't score a goal in twelve appearances. I think it was when he was at Roots Hall. Goes back there at the weekend, and <laughs> they must. I mean, Southend fans were probably dreading that. We spoke they? about that before the game. I it said, is. "What are the chances of Ladapo scoring yeah. a goal in this game?" And it was his first goal since December the eighth. Um, so a big lift for him, and he was great. His, his physicality impresses me, and not only that, because quite often you see tall physical strikers might not be the best with the ball at their feet, but he's great with that as well. And on his game, he's fantastic because he's heavily marked these days. You know. Mm. Anyone that has what's it now? Fourteen goals, thirteen in the 13, league. Thirteen goals in, in total, twelve in the league. So. They're going to be being marked heavily by the defence. Mm-hmm. You know, every manager, the opposition manager I speak to, names Freddie Ladapo yeah. as one of the. You know, it was Graham Carey in years gone by. It's Freddie Ladapo at the moment, and the fact that he's still doing well is impressive when you're being marked by two or three mm-hmm. men. I think when you take into account the fact he is the focal point to the attack as well, that's why it's so heavily marched. You know, you take mm-hmm. him out of the game and they don't have that focal point. It's harder for Argyle to attack I guess it's, it's, it's interesting where the difference between Freddie Ladapo and Ryan Taylor is that they, they both have good physicality about them they can take care of themselves when they're being battered by two centre backs Ryan Taylor I would think or I do think is better at holding the ball up and linking with people but what Freddie Ladapo has got is he's got the pace to be able to run in behind those defenders rather than having to play all the time with his back to goal and so if there is a ball put for a channel for him to run onto, like David Fox for the for Ladapo's goal at South End, he's got the pace to leave those defenders, you know, trailing in his wake. And it's that extra bit of pace and mobility that he's got that allows him to get the ch- chances he's had. And, you know, he's got 13 goals. I can think of, you know, almost off the top of my head of another 10 chances he's had this season. Really good chances. Um, I try not to exaggerate too much, but... He could have had 20 goals this season mm. without too much. Too, I mean, he had two good chances in the first half yeah. against South End, didn't he? And it's funny as well no. because one of the, in the media box where we were sat, one of the South End people, mm. I don't know what paper he was writing for, but he turned to us and said, Oh, so how many goals have Ladapo got now? And we said 14, and he almost fell off his chair. He couldn't quite <laughs> believe it. And, you know, Argov had their fair share of strikers that just couldn't hit a barn door with a bazooka having the been years. successful Paul Hayes was one who yeah, exactly. a couple of years ago he scored against Argyle every time he played <laughs> against us we signed him on loan not a goal and it's just weird how that can happen sometimes mm. but Ladapo told you didn't he after the game that he did, the system was just mm. working for him uh, with Derek Adams mm. yeah Argyle defensively the, the, the back line's probably been their Achilles heel this season um, that seems to have improved though I mean given the last five minutes up at South End where one was a penalty one was a bit of a freak goal mm. They were on course for a clean sheet. Yeah, I don't think South. It's easy to say, but I don't think Southend would have scored if they hadn't been given the penalty. I saw the replay, Jack. Um, I think it's a bit harsh, don't you? I mean, Edwards is turned turned away. I mean, I've seen them giving them. I've seen them not given, but that was a penalty. And then the second goal was was one from the halfway line. I thought for eighty five minutes they defended well. Carl Leverin in goal really didn't have a lot of saves to make, did he, Jack? Um, two games in a row. Anything that they uh, that Southend had was dealt with fairly well. I thought Ryan Edwards. He's, he's getting better. He's he's you know, good in the air. I thought Ashley Smith Brown, fair play to him. Um, not always being convinced by him at left back, but two starts at right back, and and he's done really well, hasn't he, Jack? And uh, Gary Sawyer gives you the experience at left back. Um, and although Leveran hasn't had a lot to do, you know perhaps his experience. And he maybe talks to the defence a bit more. The def- 
defence looks better. I would still just add the caveat, though, that I'm not sure that Oxford and Southend are two particularly strong teams at the moment. You say um, that, though, but we, we spoke about Southend yeah. were 10th in the table. They, yeah, they, they have, have won a lot of games. They've they lost a lot as well. Yeah, and they had quite a few injuries as yeah, well. That's true. And, and uh, you know, Southend quite quite a few injuries, which is why they had some young kids on the yeah. bench. And Oxford had a bad day, and Carl Robinson said as much when he spoke to you afterwards. So uh, I'm not trying to put a dampener on it, but just be a little bit cautious. We don't think that everything is all hunky-dory and everything is... Uh, until Argyle play, you know, a, perhaps an informed team, and then that will be a real test of is the defence starting to take shape? You know, are the attacking players that we know have got ability have they actually found their yeah. form, or have they just benefited from playing against two mm. iffy teams? That's the only thing. But I mean, and, and perhaps these two games are coming at the right time then, because mm. sometimes you need that to get the confidence of the defence. You know, regardless mm. of who you're playing, and you keep a clean sheet and mm. arguably deserve a clean sheet again, mm. then that's going to do mm. wonders for confidence at least. Yeah, that's right. We sp- mentioned that second goal a few times now, and that's. Mm. The, uh, the goal everybody was talking about Southend's Charlie Kelman 17 years old on his debut scores from inside his own half I mean they made a fair bit of it on uh, the EFL mm. programme on Saturday night how do you guys see it uh, was it a, a fantastic goal or a goalkeeper mistake what I'd say is when you see Leatheran mm. I mean you kind of have sympathy for him really because it's difficult to go chasing them all back like that and you don't look particularly elegant when you do it do you? it didn't look very elegant it, it looks very comical doesn't it that's, it does that's, yeah that, the, the, I can't remember who it was that was on the, the Quest show, but he was saying that, you know, Dean Ashton, hard, yeah, Dean Ashton, Dean Ashton yeah. that's right, it was hard to run back and look at the ball yeah. and try and sort of run the yeah. coordination whilst running the wrong way. So, yeah, you can, you, can take, you can take that away from it. But Charlie Kelman, I mean, if you, we weren't there reporting on Argar, I think you'd have said that was a goal that deserves to win a game. And the only sad thing for him is it really meant nothing, yeah. but I'm sure he'll never forget it. And, it was just one of those goals that, ironically, that me and Chris didn't really see because no, not only were we trying you're to change your intro, <laughs> change your intro once, and there's a big post in the way of the goal as well. So mm. had to wait to see it back on the replay to see it properly. But um, yeah, I, I was a bit critical of Leverum when I saw a replay on the TV, but perhaps I was being a bit harsh. I think you're not expecting somebody to shoot from that from that distance, are you? So if you're the goalkeeper, you wouldn't expect him to be on the six yard box when the ball's in the opposition half, would you? You'd be expecting to be out, out and around the edge of the penalty area. You're not expecting somebody to shoot from there. Um, it probably caught him completely by surprise. I think it com- caught most people uh, completely by surprise. Um, yeah, he, he could have perhaps done better, but um, fortunately, it didn't. It didn't count for anything. Yeah. But uh, I'm sure Carl Leatherin will be will be uh, fully aware of the next few games. That you know, be be being particularly careful not to be uh, you know caught off his line. Yeah. I, I think you know you, you could faults in, in in anything but something like that you've got to give credit particularly to a 17 year old lad to have, to have the, yeah, the nerve to do that on your debut um, because you know if that goes horribly wrong you know on your debut everyone's going to be thinking well who's this lad you know, what, what's, what's he think he's doing <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather never got that out of the way in a game where it didn't actually it cost them anything yeah. so yeah. you know you don't see you don't see more than one or two of those in the season no. do you absolutely what's the situation with the goalkeepers then we've spoken about Matt Macy before mm. um, is it Carl Leatherman's spot to lose now I would say it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think what the point Chris made before is that is the fantastic point. And he, okay, Leverin might have been a backup goalkeeper for a lot of his career, but he seems the defence has improved in the two games that Leverin's been in goal. And I think you can't underestimate that. I've said before on this podcast, from what I see, and admittedly I'm not on the pitch, but from what I see from where I sit, Macy doesn't command his box particularly well, and that's something he really needs to work on. Now, Leverin, I think, deserves quite a bit of credit. He may not have been tested much as a goalkeeper. The defence look a lot more organised. Now, is that down to him? I'm sure part of it is. And 
Derek Adams very rarely changes a winning team. So for me, yeah, it's now Leverin's jersey to lose. Well, I mean, he retained his place for the game against Southend. You know, Matt Macy was fit. Um, he hadn't been fit before that. And uh, Derek Adams stuck with the, with the same winning side, which he does so often. They won against Southend. Um, so I'd be surprised if, if, if Leverin lost his spot. If Argyle are winning games and keeping clean sheets and doing better... Um, I suppose the one thing to add into the mix and it's all speculation but there's a lot of talk about Remy Matthews and could he come back could he not come back because of, of what's happened at Bolton and um, he should have been signing an 18 month contract with them um, and because of financial issues and problems up there that's not happened is there any chance he could come back you only have to look on Twitter to see um, Argyle fans bombarding Remy, Remy Matthews with uh, come you know back. come back home <laughs> and things like that. But you made a point about his Twitter as well on yeah. Saturday. What he, what he said, didn't you? Yeah, that you know he was he was at home watching Sky um, Soccer Saturday on Sky Sports and things like that. And no professional player wants to be doing no, that. Absolutely. So uh, there is no hard and fast evidence to suggest that Remy Matthews will come back to Argyle. I know lots of Argyle fans would like it, um, but. Your gut feeling is probably that um, that they'll carry on with with Macy and Leveran, and at the moment Leveran is has got the shirt, and Argyle have won the last two games. So, yeah, um, in answer to the question, I think it's his spot to lose now. Yes. Well, welcome back to the second part of the podcast. Uh, we're going to start with a question from Richie PAFC that we received on Twitter. Uh, Dear Argyle Chat, regardless of our league position, our midfield and lead stri- league striker are working well as individuals and as a unit. Should the club be investing in extending the contracts of Sarsovic, Carey, Lemires, Fox and Ladipo? Yes. <laughs> right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sarsovic signed a two-year contract last summer, so he will still have um, into next season. Uh, Carey and Lemires... Uh, and Fox um, we don't know because Argo don't t- t- tell, tell you what they're up to but I suspect they're out of contract this coming mm-hmm. summer and Ladapo again they've not confirmed but when I asked Derek Adams about this he said that um, he's with us for a wee while which I took to mean two year, two year contract so Sarsavik and Ladapo have still got another 18 months to go I think on their contracts and with the best will in the world, um, I know Ladapo's doing really well and what have you. You might want to sit down and talk to him at the end of the season, but perhaps not now. Mm. Um, that leaves Kerry, Lamirez, and Fox. Um, and then it's, you know, who knows, isn't it? I mean, the way that Kerry and Lamirez uh, particularly are playing at the moment, of course you'd like them to stay. Um, but whether that's going to happen or not, I don't know. Um, I've got a feeling this might be David Fox's last season with Argyle. I don't think he's been at his best this season. He, he's, he's 35, so you know, you, you're only ever going to offer David Fox one more year as a contract until... Um, yeah. He's played a lot of games this season. Yeah. Um, whether he wants to carry on playing in Plymouth, it, it, it's a difficult one. Kerry and Ramirez is a fascinating, fascinating one. Ramirez is going to want to be playing regular football, isn't he? And he hasn't done that <laughs> enough for Argyle. He's, he's played plenty of games, but he hasn't always started games. Mm. Carey's not been up to the high standards that he has been before, but I mean, I still think he's he's one of Argyle's best players. Um, so I would certainly be talking to Carey and the Mirez and trying to get something sorted out. Yeah, absolutely. The interesting thing with Carey as well, I mean, remember when we did the story mm. when he did sign the contract, so Argyle quite clearly pushed the, the mm. boat out in order to mm. keep him. Yeah. It sounds as though he perhaps hasn't justified that massive 
increase in wage. He did last Would season. They, he did last yeah, season. I mean, he I'm was talking both, more this yeah, season. This season, he he hasn't been as good. But then you could say that for everybody, yeah. pretty much until the last couple of games. Um, I don't know what if you could keep carrying in mirrors. I think why why wouldn't you? But um, it's funny because. I think for the last God knows how many transfer winners we've been thinking oh Kerry could be going this time Kerry could be going this time and he's stayed naturally I think his stock is probably lowest it's been for a fair bit in terms of potential recruiters now if we're led to believe that Argo haven't had much interest in him in the last couple of year or two then I don't see why that would be changing now so I I think if he was a free free agent in the summer I'm sure there'd be plenty of yes of course but um, I, I think Lemiris and Kerry, for me, definitely. Ooh. I'm sure Adams will be working on something. But Chris is right. Lemiris is going to be wanting to play first team football, and yeah. he's now showing the goal scoring side, and that will be keeping plenty of other people's eyes um, open. I think. I and guess I, everyone thought Lemiris was going to be like the understudy to Kerry, really. And mm. He's got to that stage now, where as you say, he he want first team football, well, he won't want to be the understudy. Yeah, and, and Lemiris is playing better than Kerry at the moment. Yeah. Eight goals. You know, eight, he's not had that many starts this season. He's got eight goals, um, which is double. Uh, more than double that Graham Carey's got and he's, he's playing really well at the moment so why wouldn't you want to keep him I suspect the question from Richie is partly based around the fact that you know uh, Sonny Bradley uh, ran out of contract Oscar Threlkeld's contract ran out didn't they and, uh, and they ended up leaving and, the, uh, the, the problem with this is though the fans I regard myself yeah. in, in this and we're all football fans here yeah. but I, I think football clubs have a tough time sometimes because yeah. if a player's sold for yeah. a decent amount of money oh you have no ambition you're selling our best players yeah. if they then don't sell them and their contract runs down they go on for free oh you didn't make any money off them whatever a club do yeah. they can never and really win I think it's worth pointing out to fans as well that you have to remember the influence of agents in today's game as well you know agents are in the, their players ears all the time saying don't sign a contract wait until the summer see what options come up we can get you a better deal elsewhere mm. you know and at the end of the day football fans also need to think well what would I do in that situation you know if, if they're working in a 9 to 5 job someone comes in and offers them twice as much money what are they going to do yeah. and you need to remember as well that these players have no loyalty as such to yeah. Plymouth as a city you know a lot of Argo fans are from Plymouth and have supported them for 10 years others have moved down here and it's, and it's a job to them I'm sure they care I'm sure they love it but that's as far as it goes, you know, their heart might maybe elsewhere. Yeah. South Southampton and Ladipar are sort of six months into two-year contracts, we suspect. Uh, Kerry and Ramirez are out of contract in the summer, so I think I'd be sitting down and having conversations with them and, um, and seeing how yeah. things might unfold. But uh, once you get into the last six months of a contract, then the power is pretty much in the player, player's hands because yeah. they can really decide whether they want to see out their contracts and then... Um, assess their options in the summer or they commit themselves to a club yeah. now I mean Argo were in that situation with Kerry two years ago weren't mm-hmm. they and yeah. they were trying to talk to him and get him to sign a contract yeah. and he wanted to wait so yeah. well, just thank you to Richie for sending the question yeah, as well we're, we're more than happy to receive questions on Twitter if you, if you get in contact so yeah. thanks very much for that yeah, yeah indeed uh, reports suggest that Argyle have been uh, or they've agreed terms with Ipswich Town striker Jordan Roberts um, sounds as though he's Agreed terms with three or four clubs. Um, Bradford, MK Dons are also interested in him, and now it's up to him to make a decision as to where he goes. Um, I did the piece yesterday, and it was interesting to see the reaction of the Argyle fans because a lot of them are saying, "We don't need him. We need a we we need defenders." I think I agree with that. If you to believe that Deckham's only going to make two signings, that's the thing that puzzles me. For me, we need to make two signings. Defence is a priority. However, if Deckham's hadn't said he's only going to make two, I would have said yes. We need. I've said it before. Mm. I think we need that uh, sort of winger position, especially with Wild going and possibly Ainsworth leaving. Jeff got quite young. Um, Grant's injured at the moment. Joel Grant. So you've really not got a huge amount of options. So I can see the interest in it, but it did surprise me a bit if Derek Adams really is only going to sign two players. 
that that's what he said. Um, but I think that's assuming that nobody else moves out. Maybe if Nylon Ainsworth moves out somewhere, that might free up space for for uh, for another player. I do think you know with with Ladapo and Taylor. Um, they're the big central strikers. Maybe a slightly different striker would benefit Argyle. Um, Jordan Roberts is, is, is uh, the agreed terms. It would be a loan until the end of the season. I don't think there was any talk of about it being a permanent deal. No. Um, it, it came from a you know a, a usually reliable source, so you would suspect there's, there's some mileage in it. Um, and we'll see what happens. I mean, if, for him, you know, Milton Keynes is pretty close to Ipswich. Bradford and Plymouth is quite a long way from Ipswich. So whether that would influence anything or not, I don't know. Um, if they are going to sign two players, they clearly need a centre back, in my opinion, uh, at, least, at least one. If, if Ryan Edwards is returning to form, um, you know, maybe you could get away with one. But um, you know, I would have probably said a couple of weeks ago, maybe even two centre backs. They've got um, Frelko down for the right back position if got, they need it. They've got Frelko for right back and centre midfield as well. So if you're going to make two signings, maybe a centre back and that sort of change of pace striker, somebody that uh, can give you a little bit different to Ladipo and Taylor. The interesting thing about Jordan Roberts is, and we've spoken to a fair few players before on the podcast, Rory Fallon being one of them, is the strikers. If you, you know, Ladipo's played 13 goals. Now, are you going to want to come and sit on the bench? And I think that will play a big part. He'll speak to all, all clubs linked. And I'm sure whichever can guarantee him first team football could be the choice. He's not going to want to come to Plymouth Argyle and be He's on the bench. No, he wouldn't want to go anywhere, I guess, and do that. Um, moving on then, guys. Coventry and Walsall at home next. What are your thoughts on that one? Well, they're two, two important games because with, with the two wins against Oxford and uh, Southend, Argyle have got themselves within touching distance of quite a few clubs there. Five points behind Walsall, who are 16th. So it's scrunched up that bottom of the table quite a lot. They've done some good work retrieving a difficult Christmas period by putting some seven points on three point, uh, from three games. Coventry are ninth, I think. Warsaw the 16th. They're at home to both of them. You know, if, if they could get six points, that'd be fantastic. They would be out of the relegation zone. Even four would, would be good. Um, they need to make the most of these two home games coming up, though, because then they have Wickham away and then they've got Portsmouth and Peterborough coming up around the corner. So th- these are two important games. They, they need a good return of points from these two games to, to get themselves maybe out of the bottom four and then uh, give themselves a fighting chance of staying out of it. Yeah, I agree with that. I think four points would be a good return and maybe a draw against Coventry and a win against Walsall. Obviously, Ruben Lemiris will be up for it against Coventry, I'm sure. He came on in the second half against Coventry in the, in the away fixture. Um, but if they can remain unbeaten and get free and win one of them, and that's a great record. And then it takes the points tally to what? You're looking at 10, 11 points from 15. So that's a, that's a good return. Yeah. Um, just one final thing, a bit of self-promotion from ourselves. Chris, you spoke to... Um, former Tottenham and West Ham defender Callum Davenport, didn't you, who's now living in Devon? Yeah, um, it's, it's completely away from Argyle, but uh, Callum Davenport was a, a very highly rated defender in his time. He moved from uh, Tottenham to West Ham for £3 million in his day, um, and that was a lot of money at the time. Um, he's had a, a very different life after retiring from Premier League football, um, and he's uh, discovered religion and faith, and um, it's led him, uh, and I won't go into the story because it, it would take forever, we'd be having the podcast for another half an hour, but he's, he's coaching um, a football team in Whitley in the north of Plymouth, um, and um, he's getting very uh, involved in the community there. Uh, he has some fascinating stuff to say about his time as a Premier League footballer, um, how he discovered faith at a church in Plymouth, how he's uh, coaching these kids. 
and, and how he sees how he can share his experiences of life and, and, and faith and, and football and how he can uh, share that to, to kids in the local area and to anyone that, that uh, you know, um, wants to listen to him. So it was, it was fascinating to, to chat to him in uh, Porky's Cafe in um, Whitley. I tell you what, that was a fantastic place to sit and have a chat with him. We were right in the heart of the community. It was great to see Dave and all the guys there. They made us very welcome. We had a good chat with uh, Callum. It'll be on the website uh, very soon. Um, I would say this, wouldn't I? But I think it's a really good read, so I hope you get a chance to see it. Yeah, well, I've subbed it, and it is a very good piece. Yeah. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that one. Well, that's all we have time for this week. Chris, Jack, thank you ever so much for joining me. Thank you, Stu. And we'll be back again next week with more of the same. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Sorry, it's worth pointing out, just very quickly, we'll be back on the Wednesday next oh, yeah. week because I've got a game against Walsall on the Tuesday night. So next Wednesday, the podcast should come out. Indeed. I really should read the script. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.